What are we talking about? You play to win the game. You don't play to just play. Come after me! I'm a man! I'm 40! Can't wait! Good morning and welcome. It is Coffee and Sports. It is the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Thank you for making us part of your morning routine, whether you are on Facebook, YouTube, live on Roku TV over at Northeast Streaming Sports. We are happy to have you here this morning. I am Chris, and of course, that is Mo. Mo, how are you this morning, sir? I'm on a high, Chris. Uh, I'm just coming off of a crazy football Sunday, so... There's so much to talk about, so I'm just on a sports high right now. Not to mention, the Dodgers get that guy. Mo, uh, did we did we have the upset pick of the week? I think we did. I think we did. Yes, sir. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, but yeah, most definitely. Well, we did. We did. Uh, let's start. Let's start with the game last night. Uh, maybe one of the biggest regular season games that you're going to see this season. It was the Dallas Cowboys. It was the, the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles came out <clears throat> on the losing end. It's their second loss in a row. And Mo, I want to start with this because I've already kind of seen uh, the, the hate. And I've already kind of seen the narrative that is being set. And I don't even know if it's just by Cowboy fan. I, I guess I didn't realize there was such a anti-Eagles crowd out there. Uh, but apparently there is. But let's just let's just start off the bat by saying this: the Eagles are fine. <laughs> they are one hundred percent fine. They're going to probably win their next four games. They play the Seahawks, the Giants, the Cardinals, and the Giants. The Seahawks may not have Geno Smith, and even if they do have Geno Smith, Mo, I would argue Kyler Murray is still the best quarterback they're going to see for the next four games. And the Arizona Cardinals are not a very good team. But let's say they only win three of those games. You're still looking at a 13-win team. But my point is, I think they're going to win all four. And I think they're going to put a whooping on poor Seattle uh, next weekend. And they did nothing wrong, Mo. They did nothing to deserve the the, the beating that's going to be dropped on their heads. <laughs> wrong, wrong schedule, wrong time. Correct. But if they win, if they win out against four subpar teams compared to what they are because let's be honest they lost to probably the two best teams in the nfc aside from themselves the rest of the nfc is nowhere near eagles cowboys 49ers there's a huge drop off once we start talking about what's left over in the nfc and i'm sorry lions fans i've been watching lions football it's not going in the right direction over there i'll I will say the Lions can be the middle ground in between what's above them and what's below them, but they're getting a lot closer to what's below them than what's above them. But we'll talk about that in a moment. But my point here, Mo, is that the Eagles are going to win out, in my opinion, at which point, if they do that, it doesn't matter what Dallas does because Eagles will have the tiebreaker at that point. So the Eagles would win the division. And then at that point, the question is, are they a one or a two seed, depending on what San Francisco does? over the same time span. I know Cowboy fan doesn't want to hear that this morning, but the Dallas schedule is a lot harder. And I don't think Dallas is going to go 4-0. They might go 2-2. Two and two, They might go 3-1. and one. So unless Philly actually slips, and I don't think that losing to Dallas and the 49ers is slipping, I think it's you played the two best teams, your biggest competition to get to a Super Bowl in the regular season, and you lost both games. That's going to be an issue when you play them again because now you have to overcome that. But you're not playing them the rest of the season, Mo. So you shouldn't lose your next four games. And then we'll revisit this conversation come the playoffs when you're going to see one of these, if not both of these teams again. And then we'll hash it all out and we'll figure out who really is the best team in the NFC. But as for right now, in my opinion, all the Eagles back-to-back losses have done is open the door. And it's opened the door for somebody else to get home field advantage. And Mo, I think Dallas needs it. Dallas needs to be at home for this playoff run if they're going to have a chance. 
of the three, let's call them superpowers in the NFC, yeah, I, I think Dallas is the one that would rely more on home field if they want a legit chance to get to the Super Bowl. I do think both the Niners and the Eagles can go on the road and win football games. I just think they're they're just built differently that way. If Dallas gets home field, it's a whole new ball game because they, they really do have a chance. And I'm with you about the Eagles. I'm looking at a, ten, a team that's 10 and three. They're 10 and three. And I think they're going to win the rem, their remaining games. So with all the things that are, that are happening right now, they still have a shot to be a number one seed, maybe a two, depending on what the other two do. But I think the Eagles are fine. I, I would just say this. When people go Jalen Hurts has regressed, I don't think he's regressed. I think he's suffering the same way a lot of young quarterbacks are suffering. You have a great season, a breakout season, and then teams get film on you and they adjust and they take away some of the things that you do well. And they put in front of you things you struggle with. Jalen Hurts, he struggles when he's got to make quick decisions. He also struggles when teams can decide they can disguise cover two or zone blitzes. It, it's not, it, it doesn't mean that he's still not an elite talent and that he can't write that ship. He's got to make the adjustment the same way that people had to make an adjustment or Brock Purdy had to make an adjustment after being like considered a one hit wonder last year, right? He goes on the run, they get into the playoffs, people make an adjustment. Um, and, and now you see Purdy has made the adjustment to what they did to him. He is reading defenses better. He's going through his reads quicker. It's it's something that young quarterbacks go through, unless you're a phenom like Mahomes or Joe Burrow. Uh, but when I'm when I look at the NFC picture, I do think that uh, the Eagles are in great shape. I do. Um, they they suffered a couple tough losses. The Niners lost three games in a row. And as a Niner fan, I, I know I was like. Okay, what's going on? We're in trouble. Did they find something out about Purdy that I don't know? And and suddenly they flipped the switch. They've turned it around, and they look fine. In the end, uh, the Niners, it it really comes down to which of these three teams going forward will blink. That means get a loss on their record because you really are all in contention for that number one spot. And I think it's going to be between the Niners and the Eagles. I don't think Dallas is going to win out. If you look at the Niners schedule again, it's it's a little it's a little bit harder than the Eagles just because the Ravens are on there. The Niners like the Eagles play the Cardinals. I think they're going to roll in that game. They have the Ravens, the Commanders, and the Rams. I'm not saying the Niners can't beat the Ravens. I'm saying that's a potential Super Bowl matchup. And <clears throat> Mo, if you buy into the uh, the latest conspiracy theory going around the league, which is that the last two seasons, the NFL has kind of debuted the same type of Super Bowl logo that features the backdrop of the city that's hosting the Super Bowl and the letters, and it has a specific color scheme. Well, the last two seasons, the color scheme has matched up the teams that have been in it. Well, this season, the color scheme is red and purple. So if we're following the script, Mo. Red and purple means we're going to get the the Niners and the Ravens Ravens. in the Super Bowl. Uh, But my point being that I'm not saying the Niners can't beat the Ravens, but it's a much more challenging matchup. And the Eagles just don't have one of those. Now, I will will be the first person to say this. If the Eagles drop one of their next four games, I might be a little more concerned because they'd be dropping a game to a team that is far inferior to them. It's not like the the Niners drop a game to the Ravens or the Cowboys drop a game to the Dolphins, and you're like, what are those teams doing? No, they played a good team and they lost. It happens, all right? This is the NFL. Bad teams beat good teams. We see it all the time. We're going to talk about it later on today. Yeah. But if you're the Eagles, you can't lose to the Giants. You can't lose to Danny DeVito. You can't lose to Drew Locke and a sinking Seattle Seahawks ship. And I get it. Kyler is kind of close to what Kyler was, but there's nothing on the Arizona team. You can't lose to that. So if I'm the Eagles, obviously you got to go out and do it, but there isn't a big hurdle in your way. You've gotten through the toughest part of your schedule. Now just go and take care of business. 
if you don't take care of business, well, that might be more of an issue, Mo. I, I think so, too. And like you said, Kyler Murray is the best quarterback they're going to face the remainder of the season. And he looks close to what he was, but the surrounding talent around him, you're winning that football game. You're, you're supposed to win that football game. I'm looking at the Niners and I'm thinking, hey, those Rams, I know they lost yesterday. That's not an easy win. You're not just going to walk in and beat the Rams. So that's we called that too. We said yeah. that was going to be close. That's a scary. That's a scary matchup because when when Stafford is right, that's a scary matchup. And then, like you said, the Ravens are a very good football team, so their path forward is a little bit a little bit more challenging. But the Eagles, and I'm not trying to put pressure on your team, Philly fans. There's no reason they shouldn't win all of these games and wrap this up. They really should. They're they are not facing any elite talent going forward. Then we have the other side of this conversation, Mo, which again, you know, we, we talked about this last week. We said if, if they beat the Eagles, which they did, we said if Dak looked good, which he did, he did. Is he the new front runner for the MVP? Well, see, that's the thing. We had the discussion with the NFL genius, and Gene had Purdy. I had Dak already number one. But I said for sure, if he beats Philly, that elevates him um, as the front runner for sure. So, yeah, look, I, I think Dak Prescott is is it's his MVP to lose going forward. But right now, I think he's the guy. Now, the one thing that we ha- obviously there's four games left, and things are going to shake up a lot over the next four games. Dallas has a tough stretch now. They go Buffalo, Miami, Detroit. And then they finish with Washington. Buffalo is still playing for their playoff lives. Miami is playing for seeding and trying to keep pace with Baltimore. Not to mention, that starts off Miami's tough stretch to end the season where the narrative is going to be, can Miami beat a winning team? So Miami is going to have a lot to play for in that game. And then we don't know where Detroit's going to be in a few weeks because they seem to be kind of coming apart. I've maybe got they, concerns. Maybe they get it back together. I don't know. That's going to be a big game for them. So Dallas has three huge games coming up against three very motivated teams and very motivated quarterbacks. So if they go one and two over the next three, we're probably not talking about Dak MVP anymore. Yeah. Because MVP is very much what's what do I remember most recently? Right. And Dak losing two of his last four and not winning the division. No one's gonna no one's gonna remember. This game against the Eagles, if Dak goes out and loses two out of three to the Dolphins, the Bills, and the Lions. And look, at a minimum, the game against the Dolphins and the Bills, those are very losable games. We talk about winnable games. Those are losable games if you're the Dallas Cowboys. Dak, was he played well last night. It wasn't his best game, but he played well. I think to solidify, to hold on to this, like I said, I think it's his MVP to lose. You know, the job is never done. It's week to week. You got to beat the Bills. Then you got to turn around and find a way to beat two on company. And that's a chap. And I'm not holding that against him. Look, there's a way. There's a way forward. Let's say he beats the Bills and he loses to Miami in a shootout where he plays great. I think he can hold on to the MVP that way if he splits it. But you're right. That that schedule, you got two teams, the Bills playing for their lives. You got your Dolphins plan for seeding, and then I'm not saying Detroit's plan for their lives, but they should be motivated because they have struggled. They have they have not looked good. They they look like, and I don't I don't want to denigrate the Lions, but they look more like the old Lions than the new Lions. And Jared Goff has looked less like an elite quarterback and more like just Jared Goff. He's he seems like he's struggling more. There seems to be a blueprint. Teams are putting pressure right up the middle, and that gets him off his spot. He's not comfortable. If you've ever seen Jared Goff, he's not really the kind of guy that likes to roll to his left or his right. He likes to stand strong, throw the football. Moving is not his strength. Throwing the football on the move is not his strength. It is a struggle. That defense seems to have fallen apart. So Coach Campbell has his work cut out for him going forward. Well, let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to have JG on the show. And like you said at the open, 
you guys got a new toy out there I know, in, uh, I know. in LA. So we're going to talk all about that right on the other side of this break. Don't go anywhere. It's coffee and sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. Hey, y'all. I'm Keith. And I'm Jory. And tune in to Hoop Dreams and Touchdown Queens every Saturday at 5 p.m. over on Sports Empire Network. And don't forget, also watch us on Roku TV at Northeast Streaming Productions. Uh, so tune in. Welcome back. It is Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show here on Sports Empire Network. And we are joined now by JG. JG, how are you this morning, sir? Doing good. How are you guys doing this morning? Good morning, JG. JG, let's start with the $700 million man, Shohei Atani. He's not going to Toronto. I don't know if Toronto fans know about this yet. He wasn't there. He wasn't going to be there. Uh, He is... The seven hundred million dollar man, JG, is he going to pitch again? Because I saw the number and I was like, we, we were we were talking six, and we were like that that's kind of high for a guy who we know he's not pitching this season. We don't know how he's going to recover from this second Tommy John type situation. What's the arm going to look like? He's pushing towards thirty. Like maybe he's going to move to the DH. Like what what we we talked about all those things. So we were thinking, uh, maybe hot, maybe fives, mid fives, low fives, seven hundred million. I don't even know where they got the money from. Like, what is that going to look like? How, how long are they going to be paying Otani when Otani's long gone? Like, these, these are all fun questions to ask. But JG, honestly, are they going to get the bang for their buck? Because if this isn't championships in the first few seasons, then we have an issue on our hands. If you're a Dodger fan, right? Well, I think the deferred money is going to make Bobby Bonilla, uh, what he, you know, on July 1st, going to look foolish because that's the only way they're going to be able to uh, really. And I say that jokingly, half heartedly jokingly, because as I've said to you guys before, whoever signs Shohei is going to make their money back in jersey sales, TV revenue, and everything. So it's almost, it's almost like a $700 million loan that you're going to get paid back, you know, here, you know, pretty quickly. I, I would assume so, especially with the Dodger color, Dodger jersey, and every, you know you throw in the Asian culture that's going to be buying those jerseys. They're, they're, Dodgers are not going to be hurting spending this. But to the question, you know, is it worth it? That's to be determined because we've never seen this before. We, you know, we've been seeing, we've we've been hearing three hundred million dollar contracts. We're all scratching like, my God, three hundred million dollars, and Otani blows it out the water. You know, more than doubles that. This is it's something unprecedented to be uh, to to ever see in American in North American sports, and, and I mean, that's it's it's so speech. It makes you speechless to even to even say. And I think that's what we're kind of we're all reacting that way. Is he going to pitch again? He's going to have to pitch again because again, I, I don't see them spending seven hundred million dollars for for a DH and being a DH for ten years. I, I that one I, would be. Oof, I, I I I was shuddered to think the conversation of saying, oh yeah, you know, yeah, we're gonna, we're just gonna have a, we're just gonna have Shohei be a DH and everybody's gonna be okay with that. He's gonna have to pitch again. How effective he's gonna be is gonna be the biggest question. Now again, he's not pitching in twenty twenty four coming coming off of Tommy John surgery, so twenty twenty four is a wash when it comes to that side of it. And hoping that you know twenty twenty five he comes back and be able to be the pitcher that we've seen him be, and he can be the the. The second, uh, the second tier pitcher to, and I, I say second tier, but second pitcher to, to Walker Bueller, and hoping that the rest of the pitching staff for the Dodgers gets healthy or or develop the young guys that are in there and be able to, you know, continue this this run of of competitive dominance in the National League West. That's going to be the hope right now. If you just talk about the, if you talk about the offensive side of the production that they have in the, in LA, I mean, you have Mookie, you have uh, Freddie, and now you throw in Shohei. That, that's amazing to have as a essentially a two, a, a one, probably bat Shohei two, and Freddie bats three, one, two, three, right there. But but now as I, I dove down into the into the lineup, there's still holes in this lineup. You still need a middle infielder. You still need, I mean, you don't want Mookie Betts playing second base. As good as he was at second base. He's a better outfielder, so you're going to need another middle infielder. You're hoping Gavin Lux comes back from the ACL injury he sustained in spring training, and is going to be, you know, what they were hoping him to be as a shortstop for them. There's still holes, and then you're not even talking about the pitching staff too in 2024. So, as great of a move this is for the Dodgers that they're getting this generational talent, 
as great as, you know, as Shohei's going to be in the offensive side, there's still a lot of holes and a lot of question marks on this team right now that, yeah, you're in a, a weak division. I think the Diamondbacks are going to push them a little bit more. You may have the Giants be pretty competitive. We still don't know what the Padres are going to be. This division is going to be a little bit more competitive, I think, as weak as it was in, in 2023 uh, in, in, in years past. You know, you're going to see that the teams are going to try to catch up to the Dodgers a little bit unless they address the pitching side. So, I mean, great job bringing Shohei. He's going to he's going to change the outlook of the offense for 2024. He's not going to help the pitching staff. You only have Walker Bueller right now who's coming back from his Tommy John surgery. There's a lot of questions still in L.A., and I don't know what the next move is at the moment. JG, we, we were talking – we're looking at previous MLB contracts. You know, we had some low fours. So that's why Shohei was talking fives, and there maybe six was like the astronomical number. Then we get seven. Does this not open the door for the next? And I know these don't happen often, but at some point in the future, there's going to be another one, right? There's going to be another talent that's compared to Shohei. That's going to be the next Shohei. That's going to be better than Shohei. Is seven hundred million dollars setting the runway, the early paving of the runway? for a billion dollar contract because at 450 you're like we're, we're not even close you're, we're not even at half a billion yet right but now we're at seven it's not that far to go from 700 million to to a it's not we're so close now and yeah that'd be but- crazy but the 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 only thing that I have a hold up on that is is because again Shohei is a generational talent, and I think and I actually would think if he didn't have Tommy John surgery this year, that seven hundred million dollars probably is closer to the billion. I think he makes more than seven hundred if he did not have Tommy John surgery this year. I I actually at this point believe that I think because he didn't have Tommy John or he does have Tommy John, he's going to have a second one. It's probably why it is, which is, it's stupid to even say it's, I I can't say it with a straight face that, that we are, we're talking about that, but I I kind of believe that if he did, if he was healthy right now, we're talking about probably 800 to 800 million or more than that. Probably now, to the question you're asking, I don't think we're going to get to that point because Shohei is generational. He does things that we have not seen since, you know, in a hundred years as a pitcher and hitter. There's nobody else that's really doing that. We saw that Mike Trout was, he, you know, was in his, was entering his prime signing a 12 year uh, contract for $426 million. That was the closest we were going to get. And, I, and that just kind of tells you, Mike Trout is a generational talent for what he is as, an, as a position player, but he's not going to get close to that big number, uh, what you're saying, of, of a billion-dollar contract. Mookie Betts, you know, same thing kind of it was in his prime, 12-year contract, $365 million. Aaron Judge, just what he did uh, as a, uh, uh, you know, record-breaking season, nine years, 360. I don't think we're going to get close to the billion-dollar contract at, at any point or at, you know, any recent time just because Shohei did things that we've never seen. I think that was the reaction. That was the emotion of, 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 contra- of contract negotiation and what we've seen so far is that, hey, we know people are going to show up to watch him play. We're getting the Asian culture of Japan. We're going to get a lot more in the Asian culture because of Shohei as well. We're going to get the, the national TV broadcast games because of Shohei. We will make our money back. Essentially, like I said, it's a $700 million loan that they're going to get paid back here very quickly. That's the only reason right now that, that he moves that needle. Trout didn't move that needle close to, the, to that number. Uh, Betts didn't move the needle close to that number. Judge doesn't move the needle close to that. Machado is the next one with uh, 11 years, 350. So it's going to take a lot to get uh, to get close to a billion-dollar contract. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon because Shohei was the closest, obviously. That's why he's at the $700 million contract. But – for anybody else, you know, we're, we're it's going to take another generational type of talent to get to that point. And again, that doesn't happen, you know, on a, you know every every so often. JG, what happens next? <clears throat> What's the next domino to fall? Is it Bellinger? Is it Yamamoto? Is it Snell? Now that Shohei has finally settled, and again, I I know that some people were thinking 
Shohei was going to set the market, not destroy the market. Uh, but now that Shohei has signed somewhere, what happens next? Does it happen quickly? Because this is what kind of people were waiting for because Toronto can make moves now. All those other – the Cubs can make moves now. Those teams that were kind of on, on the fringe of maybe getting Shohei now need to figure out plan B. And there's going to be a lot of competition for these plan Bs because only one team got Shohei. So now everyone has to figure out what's next. Are we going to see a flurry of moves before we head into Christmas time? Or is it going to be a slow burn? I know Yamamoto's shaping up to be more of a slow burn, but what about the other guys? That's the hard part about this right now with Shohei is that I think teams are going to start regrouping to figure out what the market actually is. Using the word that you just said, he destroyed the market. Usually when you have the big fish, you know, it, it, like you know, like we've seen with Aaron Judge last year, and then with Shohei, this Judge Judge reset the market in, in a way. And you know, I, will, I won't say he reset it because Mike Trout still had a bigger contract. Mookie Betts still had a bigger contract than what Aaron Judge received. So the the contract of 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 the of the top players was still in place. With Shohei now, you know, close to almost almost doubling what Mike Trout makes. Is is a is going to put things in a lot in a big perspective for teams to figure out what is Bellinger worth and what does Bellinger think he's worth? What does Snell think he's worth and what do teams think he's worth as well? So there's going to be a lot of things that I have to try to figure out because if I'm Bellinger and I'm Snell and I say, look, I get I'm not Shohei as far as offensively for Bellinger, I'm not Shohei, but that's the market now. So is Bellinger going to sit there and back and well, hey, I want. I mean, look. I know I'm not Shohei, but I want 350. Put me next to put me next to Aaron Judge as far as contract wise. I'm worth 350. And teams are going to sit there and say, "No, you're not," because you just you had one good. You had a you had an MVP season in LA years ago. You had some down years, and then you rediscovered yourself to be a comeback player of the year. You're not worth 350. So the market's going to be so all over the place right now, and I think that's going to cause a lot of issues until until teams kind of realize, until the players realize too, what the market mm -hmm. is. I, I I I don't know how how fast and Yamamoto is going to do the same thing right now. Yamamoto is going to he's going to you know talk about a pitcher from Japan who's never pitched in the big leagues and he's going to get three hundred million dollar contract as well. So I, I think Snell's probably going to wait for Yamamoto to get his contracts uh, uh, done and then he's going to go okay you just paid somebody three hundred million dollars who's never pitched in the big leagues. I'm a two time Cy Young winner. I deserve four hundred million dollar contract. I, I deserve to set the market for pitchers only. And pay me four hundred million dollars. We're in a we're in a very difficult situation, a very delicate situation for the teams and, and these players. That's because of what Shohei just did and what they're doing with Yamamoto too. So I think it's going to take. I, I don't think these are going to be fast signings, rapid fire like we saw last year after Aaron Judge signed. We saw flurry moves go. You know, almost a, a two days. Really, it was like two days after Judge signed, and everything started moving. I think we're going to start really seeing. Things take its time about a week, and then things are going to start kind of moving pretty quick. By the end of this week, we should probably start seeing some moves. And I think it's going to wait till Yamamoto. I think everybody's going to, is going to wait till Yamamoto to decide what he's going to do, and then you'll start picking up from there. But it more likely won't be until the end of the week. JG, you always kill it talking MLB, but I have to ask you, kind of changing gears, what are your thoughts, what are your feelings about your first-place Saints? Oh, man. Wave That's the flag, JG. Wave the flag, baby. Three-way tie. I'm am I as a as a fan, am I happy that you know we're in first place? Yes. Do I feel like it's deserved? Absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. I'm I, I, we haven't we offensively if we're just playing defense, great. Awesome. Because our defense will score points for us. They'll stop play, you know, still stop. I know we've had some bad games defensively, but when you're on the field, majority of the games on defense, you're going to get exhausted and run down. And that's what's happened so far is that the defenses have been on the field majority of the time with the offense not being able to be productive. And so that's why you have your defense slipping the last five games. They should have stat them, but like the first six games, the defense was great. The last five games or so or six games, the defense has been below average. Well, when you're you're having to play, when you're having to be on the field majority of games, yeah, you're going to struggle. So, I, you know, 
it, it, it just it, it's actually funny. It's my my head coach I work for, you know, we were talking about football, talking about the NFL, the Saints won and everything like that. And he goes, So they're are they tied for first place in the NFC sucks, which is what he called the NFC South. <laughs> he called that because again, we saw that years ago. It was the NFC, it was the NFC least for the NFC East when they were in their 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 uh their uh, down uh time. He called the NFC South the NFC sucks. So I mean, you're in first place as a, uh, or you're tied for first place right now with a, a six and seven record. I'm not jumping for joy on that right now. I'm, 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 I'm kind of almost in a way embarrassed because we were supposed to. I, I predicted with you guys that we were going to be a, 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 at at best a 12 win team, at worst a 10 win team, and we're not even close to being that. So, uh, great. I guess my reaction is as stoic as I can be about it. Great. But as I watched the game last night or yesterday afternoon, I, I kind of hope we don't make the playoffs because it's just going to be a one and done. And we're going to be, we're going to get, we're going to be embarrassed. It'll be a, a Georgia TCU type of game in the playoffs for the, for whoever wins the NFC South, they're just going to get their ass kicked. Um, and then you're going to have a bad pick. And I, at this point, I told, as I've told you, I want change. I, 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 Dennis Allen's not the guy. Pete Carmichael is not the guy. And right now, from what I'm seeing more and more, and because of, of, the, of the issues that he has had with his teammates as far as with Chris Olave and then yesterday with Eric McCoy, Derek Carr's not the guy either. So I, at this point, too, I want change. I, I, I want change. And, and if that means missing out on the playoffs in 2023 so that we can get that change and we can regroup and be the team that we've been for the last 15 years with Sean Payton and Drew Brees, I get they're not coming back in the door. But if we can get back to being that with with better coaching, I, I'm for it then. I'll, I'll be okay missing the playoffs one season to try to hopefully re, rediscover who we really are and be – more competitive with better personnel in the future. Someone has to win the division, like Kyle said in the chat. I, I'm riding the Baker train. I want to see Baker I am too. win it. I, am I mean, too. again, because JG, you can look at it and be like, listen, whoever wins that division, it's not, it's an accomplishment, but it isn't an accomplishment. It doesn't right. matter because Baker's going to make it sound like he went 14 and three and he's going to have all that bravado. And I am here for that. Although, JG, I have to say, I do love uh, the, the Derek Carr yelling. Just him, just he's just so, so angry on the field <laughs> he all the time. He is angry. And he's angry at himself. He's angry at his receivers. Maybe what, he's angry at what the What is play that calling. all about? What is he's that just about? mad all the time out there. When, when you throw for 40 yards through three quarters, shut up. <laughs> Shut up. Like, who are you getting in there by Saudi's face? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Is the offensive line been great this year? No, it has not. You haven't made great passes as well. I mean, yet and in, in, in damaging the culture of the of the of the clubhouse, uh, you've got Michael Thomas who's on IR, he's tweeting at home and blaming Carr for his injury. Blaming uh what? blaming Carr. What? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, he took so it was, uh, it was last week. He posted a picture of him and uh, Michael Thomas posted a picture of him and Drew Brees and and said, "Real quarterback is a leader of the locker room" and, or something like that. And it was a picture of him and Drew Brees. It was a shot that was directed to Derek Carr. And Carr's a lot of the reason why Olave has been banged up a lot this year too. And so, I, I mean. He throws a lot there, of medicine balls. He does. There's a there's there's issue right now with with this, and 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 to Gene, look, and I'm seeing the comment here. Gene, am I blaming Derek Carr for the entire culture uh, being downhill? No, I'm not. That's on peak. That's on uh, Dennis Allen. That is a hundred percent also on Dennis Allen. But Derek Carr's not doing himself any favors as well with how he's handling with his teammates. He's the new guy in that club in that locker room. He was the new guy this year. Eric McCoy's been there. Michael Thomas has been there. Chris Olave's been there for two years. You, you, uh, Kamara's been there for for many years. Derek Carr's the new guy having to re, to acclimate himself to that locker room. He has not done that very well. That's the only part that I'm blaming him on is he's not done his job to being able to be the leader of this team like he's supposed to be as a quarterback. But that's a hundred percent how this culture has been going downhill. Falls on Dennis Allen more than anything else, and more than anybody else in, the, in that locker room or in that franchise. So that's partly why I want change. Get us a leader of men to lead this franchise because that's what Sean Payton was. Dennis Allen is not that. And on that note, JG, we're going to let you go, and we'll see you tomorrow morning, sir. Appreciate Sounds good. You, JG. Appreciate it, guys.
Mo, I don't know if you know this, uh, but we had an opportunity to witness greatness yesterday. And I'm referring to a play that was ruined oh, by the count, NFL, <laughs> the NFL refs. Uh, if you didn't see it towards the end of the Kansas City Chiefs game, once again, a Kansas City wide receiver cost the Kansas City Chiefs a win. Uh, this is when Tony lined up offsides. By the way, he was clearly offsides. It was not a judgment call. He was offsides. And it negated what was a pretty nifty play in which Travis Kelsey caught a ball, made a couple of people miss, threw it back to Tony, who ran it in for a touchdown, which would have potentially been a game-winning play. Obviously, Buffalo would have got the ball back. There would have been about a minute and a half to go. Who knows? Josh Allen pulls things out on a frequent basis, so they still might have lost, but it would have put the Chiefs on top. After the play happens, Patrick Mahomes has a total meltdown on the sidelines. He's throwing his helmet. He's being held back from the official, and this goes on for minutes. This isn't just a heat of the moment. He walks over there, crosses paths with the official, and loses his mind. He's literally losing his mind for several minutes on the sideline. They cut to him again like three minutes later. He's standing just yelling in the general direction of the official. And this happens, right? Big moment, big game. It was important for both of those teams. So, Mo, you would think that by the time we see Patrick again on the podium, someone probably would have shown him the play and been like, listen, Tony, Tony was offside. Like, sorry, but you're, you're receiving – your receiver blew it again. Sorry, Mahomes. But right. then he takes the podium yesterday, Mo, and he's still blaming the officials, saying that he can't believe that greatness was taken away yesterday. You, This is a once-in-a-lifetime kind of play, and he he's just upset that the greatness of this play was – Mahomes, it was taken away because your guy was offsides. It, it wasn't an injustice performed by the NFL officials – and I'm sorry, but you look like an idiot standing up there at the podium 20 or 30 minutes after the game when you should have known by now your guy was in the wrong. And, yeah, it, it sucks it happened. Go up there and say, man, you know, it was it was a great play. What a job of improvising by Kelsey. I wish it stood. I wish it counted. Don't go up there and act like you were robbed of some call when you – Tony was clearly offsides. He, he's, your receiving core has done nothing right this season. And I'm sorry that they can't even line up correctly <laughs> for you to go down the field and win the game. I'm sorry. It sucks. But don't sit here and act like something was stolen from you by the refs. If you want it, direct it towards Tony. And he, and he said the thing that drives you crazy, right? And, you, and, and this applies to all sports. He said... You can't make that call in that moment. You can't right. call that. You can't call. You can't make that. Yes, you can. If it's offsides in the first quarter, it's offsides in the fourth quarter. It's offsides. It, it, but he, he, he let us play. You got to let us play. Like, like I didn't hear the Eagles crying this much in the Super Bowl when the call went against them, and that was in the Super Bowl. And he and, even brought up Mo. He's like, and I didn't say nothing last week about the call in the end. Patrick, are you kidding right now? Nobody said anything about that because that's never called. Right, right. I, I look, it it made him and and one of my favorite coaches. It made him and Reed look like asses. It did, it did, it did. It did. Because when you had in the moment, I get it. It's in the moment, but when you've had time and someone's shown you clearly, he's offside. They made the right call. And I know what you're saying, like an offsides call. It's still offsides. It's a call. That it, it, there, there's no controversy. You you compose yourself and go, as you said, man, what Kelsey did was amazing. I wish they had a stand. We had them. But you know what? It It, it is what it is. T tough call. We, we move on. And you're upset. But he, he stood on that, and he still went on ranting about how the refs took that away from them. I lost count of how many times he said greatness was robbed. And right. I feel, I feel, I feel bad for Kelsey because he's so great. And it's going to be, you feel, it, you weren't making it about Kelsey. You were making it about you. 
At one and, point, he was like, I, when he goes into the Hall of Fame, I hope they still put this play on his highlight reel. What What do you think happened out there, Patrick? It was a cool play. Don't get me wrong. It, it was. was a cool play. I would argue the Miami Miracle four years ago against New England was a cooler play <laughs> than that was. We've seen laterals in the NFL happen. They happen three or four times a season. We go, oh, that's pretty cool. He is literally standing up there saying, I hope they still include it on Kelsey's Hall of Fame highlight reel. Right, right. Because it was that great. <laughs> I, I look, uh, we, we lost a guy. Uh, uh, rest in peace, Frank Wycheck, I believe it is. Yes, the, yes. He he threw the the the, the, the was it, what do they call it? The, the Tennessee Miracle, the, the music, Memphis Miracle. The Music City, the music miracle. City miracle. Right. He, he threw that. He was the key component on that play. Um, that was a greater play, obviously, um, in the bigger scheme. And it counted, Patrick. It counted. Um, I and can't even know if it. Kelsey's counted, Mo, we wouldn't be talking about it five years from now. We were no. talking about the Music City Miracle 24 years later. Like, that happens every couple of years. That pops up in Tennessee Titan highlight films or packages or whatnot, especially when they play Buffalo. That right. they always they always go to that highlight. Right. But my point is, twenty four almost twenty five years later, we still see that highlight. Even if they won the game yesterday, I don't think we would see that highlight again unless it was like a recap of this season kind of thing. No, I think I think maybe Chiefs fans would see that, but it wouldn't be national uh, the way the Music City Miracle was, right? That it that's not something that we we were going to be talking about 15, 20, I don't know maybe maybe Mahomes is going to be talking about it for the next twenty years because he, he he sounds like he's going to be talking about it for the next twenty years. Look, I, I understand the emotion of football of sports in general. You, you just got to take you guys lost and and I get it, you, but but how many times have you thrown a touchdown pass or somebody's ran for a touchdown? And somebody got called for holding, or it, it it's exactly what it was. It's not the same kind of penalty, but it was a legit penalty. It wasn't one of those things where you're like, because I heard his words. He said he, he he made a call where he was barely offsides. Like, what do you mean barely offsides? You're offsides. It, it wasn't a controversy. His foot was where the ball was. You, what are you talking about? Come on, man. Next game, Mo. Uh, I I think I don't know who they got next, but. After that game, win, lose, or draw, I want someone on the defense on the other side being like, I cannot believe that the great – the great they called roughing the passer <laughs> on a, a great play right. by our defense. Right. They stole that from our defense, and they he barely touched Patrick, and they stole it from us. Greatness was robbed today. Right. Greatness was robbed. Yeah, Speaking that's of, the theme now. Speaking of greatness, Mom, I'm going to ask you a, a serious question. I need a serious answer. Is LeBron James a five-time NBA champion? <laughs> That's a serious question. People are people are saying it, Mo. People so, are saying it. Not a secret. I am a diehard Laker fan, and I've enjoyed the in-season tournament. I think a lot of people has, and 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 they've made normal regular season games mean more at this they stage did. of the season. Mission it, accomplished. It, 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 right. Well done, um, NBA. Having said that. That's that's not an NBA title. It's it's an it, it is an achievement, and I think when you look at LeBron James' career, it's it's another notch that he can throw on his achievement belt, right? But that's not an NBA title. That that doesn't carry the same weight. And I've heard people making that comparison. I I heard LeBron James. It was after the game, post game. He's feeling himself. And he made a comparison. He was talking about how well Austin Reeves had played, who was under the weather. And I thought at first, he's not going there. But he oh, went there. Oh, he went there. But he went there. He said, I don't know who had a better flu game, Austin Reeves or Michael Jordan. And I thought, <sighs> well, the bald guy did it in the NBA Finals in a game five that decided who went ahead in the series as the man. And I, I love what Austin Reeves did. But – he scored the 28 playing off a monster game of Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis looked like the best player in the world that, that game. 40 points, 20 rebounds, five blocks, six assists. Like, you played off of him. You played off of LeBron. To make that comparison, 
See, that that's when you're doing too much. You should just take in the achievement. We won the tournament. It's an accomplishment. I don't think the Lakers are going to roll that banner up next to their other, other 17 titles. I don't think they're going to do that, which is why a lot of people like myself thought maybe it would have been better had the Pacers won. Young team, enthusiastic. They would have celebrated the right way. I, I, I just thought the Lakers, who are the older team, who, who have won championships, been there, done that, I thought they handled it kind of oddly. I thought they handled it kind of oddly. I thought LeBron really was walking around feeling like, well, that's my fifth title. So, <laughs> I, I mean, <laughs> he had the trophy. He was the tournament MVP. So that was his fifth finals MVP. Like, right. Yep. He went He went way overboard. And, I, and look, all-time great player. You can, wherever you want to rank him, top two. He's deserving of every flower, every accolade. I, I just it's, thought it it's was almost a lot. like the NBA went to him and was like, "Listen, you probably got this tonight. We we really need you to go over the top. <clears throat> we really need you to sell it. We we can't have you looking like you don't care after you win it. We can't have you being like on to the next. We got other things to. Can't, we we will we will we'll make a donation to your charity." We'll help out your entertainment. We just need you. If you win it tonight, we, we need you to really, really, really sell it. And LeBron was like, All right, fine, I got you. And, and, and they did. They <laughs> even had the they even had the goggles that you put on when you pour champagne and stuff. I was like, they are really selling this. Like, okay. Uh, you know what? Like I said, I was happy that they won it. Um, it was a great achievement, and 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 you move on because it was the end of a really good, successful tournament. Don't overdo it, man. Don't you? The the NBA can sell a lot of things. You're not going to sell me that that in season tournament championship is the equal of winning a finals. It is not. Well, and also, I mean, and I saw the arguments, and I see LeBron fans and Laker fans, and you know they're they're intersecting and unifying for this one cause. The Lakers, if they went to an NBA final, it wouldn't be against the Pacers. That wouldn't be the quality of team they would be playing for a championship. Also, by the way, if you look at the teams the Lakers went through in this in-season tournament to get to the finals, it is not the quality of a playoff run that they would have to go through to get to an NBA final. Let's just have perspective. Yes, they won the tournament. That's an accomplishment. Yes, they were undefeated. That's an accomplishment. Take nothing away from them. But when you say it's comparable to an NBA championship, you then have to look at the quality of teams they beat because when half the teams they beat wouldn't even be in the playoffs or wouldn't even be in contention to win an NBA title themselves, I feel like your argument falls apart at that point. So, Which which is why I picked them to win the tournament. As soon as I saw the um, – I saw the 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 grouping they were in. I was like, "Oh, we got this, right?" And I, I, I'm just being real. I'm like, "We got this." It was a weak group. It was a weak group. They were gonna win that group. No, not a problem. Like, I, come on, man. Look, look. And then they put them up against the Pelicans, and I knew that was a W already because the Pelicans' best player, he a quitter. He, like, he likes He's gumbo. A quitter. He likes gumbo. Apparently, gumbo, brisket, you name it. He likes a lot of things. <laughs> he don't like working out. <laughs> uh let's get into recapping week 14 of the nfl mo we already talked about the, the chiefs and the bills a little bit big win for buffalo uh not pretty but i'm not going to sit here and criticize the type of win they had um because they've lost games that were not pretty that they should have won so if you're buffalo you got the w it was a tough environment to play in you're seven and six and you are literally in a zoo at seven and six because Buffalo didn't move up. Buffalo was still the 11th seed in the AFC, despite their win over the chiefs, their work is not done by any stretch of the imagination, but they kept their playoff hopes alive, which is what they needed to do. So if you're Buffalo, check the box, let's move on to next week because we got to do the same thing, Mo, because there's six or seven teams that are all seven and six and you, you can't start losing unless they're losing too. So you got to keep pace with what's going on around you. And and they're in a situation where you can win out 
and give yourself a legit shot to get in. Or you can, like you said, lose another game and then have to rely on getting some help. And they, I think, I think Buffalo, in a, looking at how they've played offensively the last few games, even with the loss, I think they're going to, I think they're going to find a way to creep into the playoffs. I do. I really do. Now, I don't know what that means in the bigger picture if they're going to go on a, on a run suddenly, but I do think they're going to find a way to get into the playoffs. There, there's a log jam. You just said it in the AFC. That's insane. And we keep joking about it, but it feels like it's the truth. It feels like everybody's in play other than New England, right? Everybody's <laughs> uh, other than New England. And even the Jets won yesterday. Um, I don't think the Jets are going to get in the playoffs, but let's, so let's just assume other than New England and the Jets, everybody's in play. Um, so that's what makes the AFC both interesting it's so it's so convoluted with teams that have similar records it really is going to come down to the last day of the season i mean we, we got a month to go after tonight's game and after so buffalo seven and six they're the 11 seed that's basically where the cutoff is the chargers lose yesterday to the denver broncos it drops the chargers to five and eight the raiders also drop to five and eight the jets move up to five and eight yeah, they're only two games out of a wild card with four games to play. So technically, you could say they're still in, but they would literally have to jump the entire AFC to get into the playoffs. So we're we're just going to call that the cutoff line, and we're right. going to say we're we're going to stop talking playoffs for the Chargers, the Raiders, the Jets, the Titans, and the Patriots are actually eliminated officially, so they're not going anywhere. But those other eleven teams, I mean, let's talk about it. The Denver Broncos are one game behind the Kansas City Chiefs. I, I did not think this was going to happen this season. This wasn't on my bingo card after the first month of the season. No, no. And yet here we are. The Denver Broncos are not only competing for a wild card. If Kansas City continues to struggle and if the NFL continues to rob them of greatness, who knows, <laughs> the Broncos might be competing for that division. And the Broncos have a formula that that, that could get them the division title because – Right now, the last few weeks, they play great defense, and their defense turns you over. They play ball control offense. It's it's not exciting, but it's ball control offense that eats up the clock. That formula is working for Russell Wilson and Sean Payton. The Broncos, they're not box office, but they're a good football team. ML, we talked about this last week. The Broncos underperformed last season. What is your reward for sucking the season prior? you get a sucky season schedule. So their schedule to close out the year is not that challenging. The Broncos play the Lions, who are falling off a cliff currently, then the Patriots, who are awful, the Chargers, who are awful and they just beat, and the Raiders, who are awful. The Broncos should go at least 3-1 and one down the stretch. They might go 4-0. and oh. That would be an 11-win Denver team. That's crazy. That's insane. I did not. Nobody saw did not that coming. That. No, no. <laughs> and I know Sean Payton will be like, I knew all along. Like, no, right, right. Did. Yes, he no. did. Yes, he there, did. There's no way you knew that, Sean, especially <laughs> that weekend when somebody hung 70 on you. My guess is when they hung 70 on you, you were thinking about, is there any way I can get out of this contract? For our, for our listeners who are listening right now, I, I want to make one thing, one thing very clear. Mo and I did not jump off of the Josh Dobbs train. We nope. simply, it, it stopped and we got off and joined the Baker train. There was no jumping. There was no fleeing. We simply bought a ticket for a different train and we are now on the Baker Mayfield train. That's Josh Dobbs is clearly not going to be the, the quarterback in Minnesota next season. That's that experiment is over. <laughs> he he is not, and and you know what though, still good on Josh Dobbs because no, he's not going to be the starting quarterback. But nobody would argue that he has solidified that he is a capable backup. Like, oh, for sure, he he is going to be someone's very capable capable backup, whether it be with the Vikings or somewhere else. He is his his audition tape has gotten him another job. And Minnesota, you may not have received it yet. But Kirk Cousins' agent is going to send you his audition tape to be re-signed, and it's just going to be Josh Dobbs playing quarterback for you. <laughs> They're just, just going to send you that and be like, "What? What? How, what are you going to pay Kirk next season to come back?" Because 
the quarterback of the future is not on the Vikings roster. He is they, not. Do, they do have a roster that is capable of making the playoffs. Oh, and by the way, the Vikings still won that game. <laughs> they won three nothing, which means they are in the playoff picture still. They are currently the sixth seed at seven and six. Uh, Green Bay is hoping to join them at seven and six by beating the Giants tonight. If Green Bay loses tonight, Mo, they fall to six and seven, and they're in a log jam with my Los Angeles Rams, who are still alive, the Seattle Seahawks, the Atlanta Falcons, and the New Orleans Saints. Oh, and by the way, don't look now. Can't believe this is coming out of my mouth. The Chicago Bears have won three in a row. Three in a row. That's they're crazy. five and eight. They could be one game out of the wild card, three games under 500. What, it, what world are we living in? We're living in a crazy NFL season, like the craziest of the crazy. Um, and I love what you said. We did not abandon Josh Dobbs. No. We just joined Baker. Right. Because why not? Why not? And you know what? Baker's great for TV. So when they win, if they win the division, I just want to hear all his smack talk. Because you know it's coming. You know it's coming. And he's going to name names. Of course he is, because what high-quality person doesn't? Let's be honest. <laughs> All right, Mo, we got football tonight. Let's start with the Giants and the Green Bay Packers. Like I just laid out, Green Bay needs to win to stay pace with the wild card. If they lose, I don't know what the tiebreakers are, but they will be tied with one, two, three, four other teams. It will be a five-way tie for the seventh seed in the NFC. Obviously, Green Bay wants to avoid that happening. If they win tonight, they stay, they keep pace with the Vikings and they would, who they got the Giants, they'd be five and three. They would stay in the seventh seed. So they win tonight, they keep pace, they keep a game over the rest of the crowd behind them. They lose tonight. And just like in the AFC, all hell is going to break loose in the NFC and the floodgates are going to open. I don't think they're going to lose tonight. I don't think this is a Houston situation where they kind of, find a trap game and buckle under the pressure. I don't think the Giants are capable <laughs> of pulling off the win tonight, so I'm going Packers. Surprising as it may be, I'm actually going to go against DeVito and bet on the Packers. I'm just saying. I mean, I, th I thought I, you bled blue. I, I, look, DeVito's shown me some good stuff, and look, at the last couple of games, he's represented his family really, really well, but the same way that we said the Eagles should not lose to the Giants, I think the Packers should not lose to the Giants. On the other side, we have the AFC matchup. <clears throat> we have the Dolphins hosting the Tennessee Titans. Again, Tennessee, for all, they're still mathematically alive, but for all intent and purposes, their playoff run is over. The Dolphins need to win to keep pace with the Baltimore Ravens. The Dolphins win tonight. They are tied again with the Ravens. They will reclaim the number one seed for at least another week. Uh, kind of heading into that huge matchup with Baltimore in a couple of weeks, which is at this point with Kansas City losing again, Mo, that game in a couple of weeks is probably going to decide the number one seed in the AFC. Yeah. And that's a sentence that I have never murmured as a Dolphins fan involving the Dolphins. So it's, it's weird to say it. And feels good though, it, it? If, if, if it feels something, I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know <laughs> what winning feels like in football. I know Patriot fans and even you 49er fans have had it for like, you know, the last seven or eight years. I don't know what winning is like. So I'm still getting used to that. I don't think this will be a trap game for Miami. Miami is undefeated at home. Um, and I, I will continue to say this until it happens. I'm going to knock on wood. I don't want it to happen tonight. Miami doesn't have a bad loss on the resume. They've lost to the Bills. They've lost to the Chiefs. They've lost to the Eagles. Now, granted, they have they only they haven't beaten any really great teams. But I'm just saying they don't have a bad loss on the resume, and I don't think they're going to lose to Tennessee because Tennessee would be a bad loss. So I think Miami is going to roll tonight, and we'll see what happens next week with the number one seed in the AFC East or the well, AFC as, Wild picture. As a fan, I'm hoping for a competitive game. As an analyst. I think that the Dolphins win this comfortably. I think that Tyreek is going to give you about, I'll say, ten catches, a buck fifty, and you know what I mean. I think we're, I think we're working somewhere in that realm, and so he, he will be the entertainment, right? The entertainment tonight is going to be what Tyreek Hill and Tua do. That's what I'm watching. 
Um, as a, for the Titans fans, look, I, I know you've got young Levitz out there. He's your QB of the future. I just, I don't think, I'm hoping for a competitive game. Look, it would be great if Derek Henry could give us a turn back the clock game and go for a buck 50, but I don't see that happening tonight. I think the Dolphins win fairly easy. All right, Mo, close us out, sir. Hey, thank you to everybody in the chat room. We really appreciate you guys. Appreciate everybody that's checking us out right now. Everybody that will check us out later. Check out all the great content we have on Sports Empire Network. Check out the Empire. Make sure you're back here. Same time, same place. Tomorrow morning, we will be breaking down both Monday Night Football games. We will continue our recap from Week 14 of the NFL, plus any other breaking news that happens between now and then. All that's happening tomorrow morning here. Coffee and Sports. It's the morning show on Sports Empire Network, and we will see you tomorrow morning. I mean, you can see right now, without LeBron, Lakers are, are struggling. Let me tell you about a team I hate, all right? I know the Dallas Cowboys fan is here, so I had to make sure he knew how much I hate this Oh, team. I'm ready. I've often said that the people who run baseball, they try very hard to ruin it. I'm from Brooklyn. I don't have a problem saying it to his face. Oh, from Brooklyn. Hey, guess it is.